0: That's IXL.com slash BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I just want to take a minute and remind you to check out ConradChallenge.org and look at the kinds of things you can do to support students. The Conrad Challenge is really about facilitating 21st century skills of creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, communication. So go and check that out at conradchallenge.org. And if you missed my interview with Nancy Conrad, go check that out as well at transformativeprincipalorg slash Nancy Conrad. Hi, I'm Dan Krines from the Leader of Learning Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Transformative Principle. This is episode 253, and I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. And for the show notes for this episode, please go to org slash episode 253. I'm excited to talk to you today because many of you took a survey that I asked you to take last week, a fall listener survey. You can find that at org slash survey. And many Of the responses, in fact, nearly all of the responses when I asked what should I talk more about on transformative principle, nearly everybody said talk more about the school change process. So that's pretty cool because that's something that I really like. As I've said before, I am trying to change education from the inside out. And as you can imagine, that is a tall order, but it's pretty exciting because I know I'm doing awesome things for kids. So my school's rocking and rolling and we're doing great things. And we're not just doing good academic things, but we're also doing good social things for students as well. In fact, I'm more proud of the social skills growth than I am of our academic growth because uh, maybe social skills isn't the right word, maybe soft skills or Or the other skills that kids need, 21st century skills, that's what I was looking for. Much of the growth that we're seeing there is happening in our Synergy class, which I'll talk more about later. But people are always asking, how do we get our schools to change? And you're listening to this podcast because you actually want to know the answer to that question. So I know managing change is one of the things that is most difficult because Nobody likes to change. It's challenging. It's difficult. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. And so I've got the secrets. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. I have a four-step guaranteed process to bring about school change. If this doesn't work, you get your money back from listening to this podcast. So four steps. First thing is vision. Second thing is communication. Third thing is empowerment Of faculty, parents, and students. And the fourth thing is continuous improvement. So there's just four steps there. Vision, communication, empowerment, continuous improvement. Now that seems like a lot. And let me tell you, it is a lot. Anytime you want to change a huge organization like a school, you're going to have a lot of challenges with it. So do you want to be just another school? I don't think so. That's why you're listening to some guy in Alaska describe how his school has changed in amazing ways over the last 18 months. Now, if you go back to episode 1001, org slash episode 1001, that was one of my middle of the week podcasts. That's why it's numbered differently. You'll see how we did a ton of stuff at my last school, 34 initiatives in three years, which seems like a ton, but when you look at it the right way, then it makes sense and is very manageable. So at my current school, every and at the last school, everything that we're doing is centered around a vision and our school right now is centered around a vision for personalized learning. If it doesn't have to do with personalizing learning for our students, I don't touch it. So, our vision is very clear. We are going to give kids what they need when they need it. That is personalized learning. Our vision is very clear in that if something doesn't contribute to personalizing learning, we don't waste time on it. And I have worked very, very hard to ensure that everything we do focuses on giving our kids what they need when they need it. And so this year we have a ton of new stuff happening. Why? Because we're personalizing learning for our students. So in math, we're doing project-based learning. In science, they're switching between 7th and 8th grade teachers for quarter-long units that give kids choice and voice in their learning. And we're doing a lot of other things, including Synergy, which I'll get to again. I keep teasing that, but it's pretty exciting, so you'll like it. So the vision needs to be there. And if you don't have a vision for your school, then you're really not going to get very far. In addition, I want to talk just a little bit about aligning your vision to your governing body. So some of you are charter school leaders. Some of you are, are principals in school districts. Some of you are principals in large school districts, and some are in small school districts. And so I really want you to like think about how your vision aligns with the district or governing body vision. And if it doesn't. That's going to be really difficult as well because you're not going to get the support that you need. So, for example, I came into this district and the number one strategic goal of the school board, which the administration is tasked to carry out for the school board was about personalized learning. And so that needed to be our focus. Now, fortunately, I care a lot about that. And I got on board really quick. And I knew that that was something that I wanted to be a part of desperately, because I really believe that that is the future of education. And that is how we're going to meet the needs of kids. So you've got to align to that district's vision. Now, if you're not aligned, you're the one who needs to change. Or You can go through a lengthy, difficult, more challenging process of trying to convince others, which is not easy and is not fun. And it's not fun in the way that the work I'm doing is fun where you are aligned, because when you are aligned, you have the support of your leaders. Now, some of you are classroom teachers and some of you uh, close the door and do your thing in your classroom. And, you know, that's all well and good. That's what happens. But also, You need to have your vision aligned with your principal. And if you have not gone and talked to your principal and said, these are the things I believe. And I want to make sure that aligns with you. You really need to do that. And same with you as principals, go to your superintendent, make sure that you're doing the things that are important. And hopefully your superintendent is a superintendent because he or she is saying, these are the things that we need to focus on. And, you know, Not everybody does that, but that's really important. So having a clear vision is number one and making sure that that vision is aligned with your governing body is going to make things so much better. All right. Step two, step one was vision. Step two is communication. So when I got hired, I came up to school in May and I learned from a bunch of the teachers. I met the teachers and talked at length with a few of them, went to a training with one of them. And then started communicating over the summer with them as well. There was definitely a lot going on. I sent out a survey that I just recently reviewed and I asked about what teachers wanted and what they what they thought was important. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this, but I spent a lot of time talking to staff at the school that I was going to become the principal of. And then when I got to the actual school and I had the teachers that were going to be working with me that year... I asked, "What should we start, stop, or continue doing?" And this is a question that I have asked at each school that I've gone to: of what do we need to, what do we need to change, what do we need to keep, what's valuable, what's important? And for me, there weren't a lot of opportunities to talk with uh, um, parents or students. And we're only a seven-eight school, so kids are only with us for two years. So half of our students each year you know, don't know anything about our school. I mean, they know some things, but, you know, so I did a survey at the end of the school year, the year before I came on and when I came out to visit and I asked about the culture of the school and only two responses were something positive. All the others were negative. And I actually have a screenshot so you can see everything, every response except for those two had a negative connotation. And that was pretty tough for me because that's challenging to walk into a situation like that. And, you know, the people there had been through a lot and it was tough and, you know, there's no, there's no judgment from me on this. It was just, that's the reality of where they were. And so they needed communication. They needed people to talk to them. And that's just, that's important. And culture really matters. And when everybody, almost everybody was feeling like it was a not, happy culture, then that was really tough. As a side note, one of the things that is a measurement of that culture is this idea of the kind of time you spend outside of school with each other. And so we had a professional development this last week, and we were all at the at the theater at one of our high schools, and we had a bunch of people sitting together. And it was the biggest group of people that we've had sitting together at a district-wide PD since I started. That's pretty cool. That means something's working and that communication and culture really ties into it. And I, when I recorded the steps, I said step two is communication. Step two is really culture of which communication is a part. So I probably won't go back and edit that, but that's the, I'm going to edit that in the notes at transformativeprinciple.org. So... Anyway, let's see. What was the other thing? So the other thing that, that staff wanted was they really wanted to be known for something. And they were desperate for that. They didn't want to be just another middle school. And so that was pretty cool because I don't want to be just another middle school either. So I asked teachers what it was that they wanted. And and that came out of that. And then they had a bunch of different ideas of where we could go and what we could do and all this kind of stuff. But they just... the thing that I got from that was they wanted to be known for doing something great. And they felt like they they had been that in the past. And then over time they just became kind of mediocre in the eyes of of those outside. And so with their input, I created a vision for where Tana would to go in four years. And so this is basically what the vision was that we would fulfill our school district's strategic vision by becoming the most personalized school in the district. And so I announced that to the teachers at the beginning of the year and then reviewed it again throughout the year and adjusted it as we went on. And if you go to transformativeprincipal.org slash episode 253, you'll see the four-year plan that I have for our school. And that is, you know, I just reviewed that this week with them again. And so there, there are outlines and there's a vision and there's a belief that we can get there And all this communication and culture really helped us figure that out. That communication came because I was asking people what it was they want to know. Our culture has improved because I've responded to the concerns and requests that teachers have had. And I'm not perfect. Right. And you're not going to be perfect. But the thing is, is that you got to be doing the work and, you know, I still make people upset. I still do things wrong. I still say things that aren't appropriate or nice or whatever. That's a part of just doing the work. And so we have to have forgiveness somewhere for that. And so I try to show forgiveness to my staff. I try to model contrition and feeling sorry for what I've done. And sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't, but you know, when I, Took the job up here, I asked my current teachers what they thought I needed to do. And they said, the biggest thing you need to do is you need to be yourself and don't try to be somebody else. Just be who you are. And what I've found, and what they were expressing to me was when I am myself and I'm not trying to put on a show, then people get excited and want to be part of what I'm doing when I'm trying to like be a certain kind of principle or trying to like do this thing that somebody else is doing. Then I get like the passion's not there and and people don't want to follow that as much as they want to follow just me being myself. And so they said, just, you know, just be yourself. And you know, that's easy to say, but you know, we're prideful and egotistical and we don't always want to do that, but this was really good advice for me. And I've really tried hard to be who I am. And sometimes that means that I make more mistakes because I'm being who I am. And other times that means that I can really inspire people because they can believe in what I'm doing. Okay. So step two was culture and communication Step one was vision. Step three is empowerment of faculty, parents, and students. Now, this one, this ties in greatly to my vision, which is we give kids what they need when they need it. And when you do that, then you go to this place where you have to let other people say, this is what this kid needs. This is what this teacher needs. And, you know, I... I could write a whole book about this. In fact, I did a whole transformative leadership summit about this just this year and talked to over 30 other educational leaders about how to empower people, and it was amazing. So Transformative Leadership Summit.com. If you didn't check that out, it is totally worth it and just awesome. What and what I'm doing with that, by the way, is every week I send out another video from that to those who got the all access pass so that the learning continues over the course of the whole year. So if you want to jump on that, then you certainly can at transformative leadership com. Just go there, put in your email address and I'll send you more information about getting the all access pass and really just a powerful, awesome way to focus on empowerment. And then something that you can review each week and get more information on, um, how to empower people. And it's really good. So if you join, get the all access pass. Now you'll start from the beginning and go through all 40 or so videos, which, you know, will give you a whole year of professional development. So anyway, I learned a long time ago, the leader's job is not to put a upper limit on people and, but rather to make sure that everybody's doing the minimum to get going. So I don't, worry about people who see the vision and want to go there right away. And so, you know, I'm, I'm often told by others, you got to slow down. You're moving too fast. Well, I'm not moving too fast. It's other people who are moving fast. And so the, the different things that we're doing at my school, we're only doing those things because people are ready for them. We're not doing them because I'm forcing it to happen. We're doing it because people are ready. And It's still tough, but they're ready because they're eager and anxious and ready to go. And, and that matters. And so it's exciting when you see that. And then my job as the leader is to say, okay, everybody's moving in this direction. You over here, who's a little bit behind, you need to step it up a little bit and do X, Y, and Z to get there. And to do that in a loving, supportive, compassionate way is really powerful. The other thing is, parents, students, and teachers sometimes may feel like they have a little too much power. They may have too much choice, and they don't always understand that because we haven't really given a lot of power to people, but they've always had the power. So I think it's kind of ironic that this piece is called empowerment. And when we take the power away ourselves and think that we need permission to do good things, like we don't, you don't need to be given permission to go out and do something good for someone else. You just do it. And we struggle with that in education. We think that we need to empower people to do that, but they already have that power. They just need to take it. So anyway, throughout throughout this process, teachers and students have been given great latitude to make their own decisions and do things how they think is best. And they're the people with the most information about works what works for them. So who am I as the principal uh to say this is what you have to do no i give them the opportunity and space to do amazing things i do my best to teach them good things and good ways of doing things and then i let them make their own choices and one mm-hmm. of the challenges is that some people think that you know there's too much freedom and there's not enough discipline and consequences and i struggle with that all the time because You know, I want people to feel empowered to make choices. And sometimes those choices are not what people have always done. And therefore, people think that they are breaking a rule when in reality, they're probably not. They're just doing something good for someone else. And for some reason, that looks like somebody's not doing what they're supposed to. One of the other things I've learned is that if I'm running the ship, when I turn my back, then the ship crashes. And so if there are initiatives that I am the one that's solely in charge of, then they're going to crash and burn as soon as I take my attention off of them. And, and that's really tough. And one where that is really happening is with synergy and that is not my desire, but in a lot of ways I am running that ship and I'm really the only one who can, because I'm the only one who has the vantage point to see so many different things. So I'm working to distance myself from that and to get away from it and to let other people take leadership roles. And that is, you know, that's just tough. And sometimes sometimes you got to do that. But, But that's an area where, you know, I don't think it's perfect yet. But Synergy is really amazing. And most, now I'm going to talk about it finally since I've been teasing it for so long. Most people would call it project-based learning. And that's pretty accurate, but it's not exactly that. In project-based learning, there's still... Most of the time, a feeling of, you know, the project is being done because the teacher wants to do the project or something like that. There's also like 20% genius, 20% time or genius hour, things like that. It's much more aligned to that. And so it's amazing. So many cool things are happening. It's a time for students to learn without limitations. It's where they bring all their skills and knowledge together to do something that leaves an impact and the impact Is sometimes really small and sometimes really big. So I made a little video to explain it to my students. And so I'm going to insert that in right here at this timestamp. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to day three at on Middle School. I know it's already late in the day, but I am just so excited for what we're going to talk about. But first, I want to recap where we've been. First of all, on the first day of school, we talked about connections and building webs of support. This is so important for you as young adults to start learning who you can rely on and how to build those webs of support to help you become the person that you can be. There's a man named Jim Rohn who has a quote that says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Now, that is really important, especially in middle school because I want you to spend your time with people who are doing amazing things and helping you be the best that you can. On day two, we talked about expectations. We did a lot of team building, and we did a ton for our school spirit. That was an awesome day. I loved every minute with you guys, and I am super excited for what we're going to do together this year. Today, so far, we've been talking about technology and You know what? You still have not started meeting with your regular classroom teachers yet. You've been meeting with teachers who have been here supporting you, and you're likely going to have them as a teacher, but nobody's been to first period yet. Why do you think we're doing that? We're going to talk about synergy here in just a minute. But first, why are we starting school so different from how you've always started it before? Go ahead, talk together, and come up with some ideas of why you think that is. I'll tell you why I think we did it so differently. We do school differently because we are trying really hard to help you know that you are geniuses and you can change the world. In order to do that, you need someone to give you permission to do things differently from the very beginning of school. That's exactly what we were trying to do. So let's talk about synergy. What is synergy? Synergy. Synergy is your chance to change the world with support from your school. Another way to phrase it is that it is student-driven projects that help you learn without limitations. So every day you come to school and you do a bunch of stuff and you learn in a silo. Language arts here, math here, science over here. What we want Synergy to be is an opportunity for you to learn a whole bunch of different things that may have nothing to do with each other, but not be in a silo because you're going to learn them together as a group. Now, here's what's amazing, is you have a chance to change the world. Let's talk about somebody who did just that, just a few short months ago. Five students from Downey High School in Downey, California, decided that they were going to be called the Downey Space Innovators. They participated in an event called the Conrad Challenge, where their goal was to change the world with something relating to space and space travel. So what they did is they said, you know, when astronauts go up into space, their muscles get weak because there's no gravity. So they designed a suit that the astronaut will wear that has bungee cords on it that can be adjusted. And those bungee cords make it so that the astronaut, every time they move their bodies, they have an opportunity to have tension on their muscles which makes it so that they, their muscles don't atrophy as much. How crazy is that? Five teenagers came up with that. Where was NASA? Where was SpaceX? They came up with that themselves. They created the product. They made it happen. I think that's amazing. But you know what? Maybe you don't care about space. That's okay. Maybe you care about widows. Maybe you care about old women who... Can't get out and shovel their driveway, and you want to change their world. And you want to start a group that goes around and shovels snow for those old ladies every Tuesday and Thursday when you're at school. And you take your friends and you go out and you shovel their driveways and you make sure that all of them have a clear path for them to get in and out of their home. Maybe that's what you care about. Maybe you care about something totally different. What you're going to have an opportunity to do. Is you're going to have an opportunity to do that thing that changes the world, that makes our community, our world better. You're going to spend two hours, twice a week, doing that here at our school. Now, I know a lot of your parents and a lot of teachers are going to be wondering, what is happening during this time? What are kids actually learning? How are they meeting the standards? How are they learning what the state says we need to learn? All that stuff is important, and we definitely want to continue learning that. But we also know. That you learn differently when you're focused on doing something to improve the world for someone else. And so you're gonna learn all those things. As you're learning about different ways of doing things, you're going to be researching, you're going to be writing down your ideas, you're going to be brainstorming, you're going to be trying to persuade others why your idea matters. And this is what's important. You can learn a lot through that process. Some of you are gonna do really amazing things, and it's gonna be awesome. And others, well, you're gonna try something really amazing and it's just not gonna work. I do want to share a success story with you from our very own school last year because it was amazing. So we had a bunch of girls get together and say they wanted to create a Tanana STEP team. It was their idea. They got our former assistant principal, Dr. Orr, to work with them, and they went on to be on the news, to be presenters at our board meeting, to present at or perform at Uh, Pep rallies and uh, assemblies and sporting events at halftime, they did all kinds of great things because they had this idea that they wanted to make people feel excited about something. They did an amazing job. Were they perfect? No, they weren't. They had a lot of struggles. But you know what they did? They worked hard to be their very best and to do something to make a lasting impact on our school. And they certainly did that. They changed their own lives and made themselves better in the process. They learned way more through that opportunity than we could have ever gotten them to learn through our textbooks. And so textbook learning has a place, but it's not everything. And so we want to expand your horizons and help you learn new and different things that you're just not going to get from a textbook. So by August 30th, you have three things that you need to do. Number one You need to decide what it is that you're going to do. Number two, you need to decide who you're doing that work with. Number three, you need to identify the adult that is sponsoring you and get their permission and their support in your idea. You've only got a few days. So between now and then, you need to be talking about this as much as you can, coming up with an idea of what are you going to do to change the world? Your teachers have a list that we brainstormed together to give you an idea, a starting point. We don't want this to be the end point. We want this to be the beginning of your ideas of how you can make the world better. It's just the beginning. It's not the be all and end all. And we want you to work hard to come up with something amazing. We're giving you this opportunity because we trust you and we respect that you can do it. That's the honest truth. You're ready to make an impact on the world. That's why you're here at Tana this year. And this year, we are going to soar together. So in summary, you have three things to do. Figure out what you're going to do to change the world, who you're going to do it with, and identify an adult sponsor at our school to help you through that process. It's not going to be easy, but it is going to be awesome. And I'm so excited to see what you create. So that was my explanation to the students. So what makes Synergy so awesome? It's all driven by the kids. They come up with the ideas. They do the work. Teachers are very much guides on the side, supporting them. And it's exciting to see what students are creating. I'm working on a list that shows everything that kids are doing in Synergy, but it's not quite done yet. So, you know, kids are writing novels, making scale models, battleships, um, doing a step team, finding ways to help homeless youth, raising awareness about LGBTQ issues, decorating our school, writing uplifting messages on origami, doing a student council, upcycling, organizing after school programs for a neighboring school, creating a smoothie company, locker decorations company, vinyl decal company, and like so much more. There's there's so much cool stuff that these kids are just coming up with ideas to do it. And it's awesome. And I can't believe that I get to witness that every week with these kids. And I'm gonna continue talking about this and I, I'm really excited about it because it's Giving kids an opportunity to do really cool things. And I love that. So that's that's empowerment. Synergy is all about empowering kids to be in charge of their own learning. And that's vital. And if we can't do that, I think we as educators have a real problem. All right. So step four, continuous improvement. And this is where it gets really exciting for me. Nothing is ever good enough for me. Good is the enemy of great, and I want my school to be amazing, and it's never going to be amazing if I just settle for anything. For me, change in empowerment is exciting and fun, and I know that for others, it is scary and challenging. So how do we make this happen? We just constantly evolve in every area that we can. It also means that I have a very critical eye, and I think this is one of my gifts, is that I can see places where we can make things better it also means that I can be critical about things that even I created or had a part in. So synergy is a good example of that started way back when I was a teacher and it's been evolving ever since I've constantly been changing it and doing different things. And every school I go to, we do something like it and then we find a way to make it better. And so I've called it special projects, tutorials, advisory, and now I call it synergy and it continues to grow and adapt and evolve, and it's really exciting. And so the K-12 school that I'm hopefully going to be working on in the future, we're still in the research stage in my district, that I really hope that that can be a a way for us to really take synergy to the next level where kids have a lot of time devoted to learning things in the way that they want to. Which, you know, is something that Maria Montessori has been advocated 100 years ago. Whatever process you're evaluating as it comes to continuous improvement is that you just don't settle for anything and whatever's there, you seek to make it better. Of course, there are challenges with this, but this is where it goes back to the vision that you have for your school. If you don't have the vision of what we're doing, the improvements can be seen as changes, and that doesn't help anyone because people don't like changes. They don't like to change for change sake. They like to make things better. Everybody likes that. And so if you focus on continuous improvement instead of changing, then it makes it easier for people to swallow. When I earlier, I talked about that 34 initiatives in three years, that wasn't 34 different new initiatives that was continuous improvement that then became 34 initiatives. And I say that because I think it's important in how we talk about it within our school. I don't ever come in and say we're changing something. I always say we're improving or we want to make this better or something like that. That's where the power comes in is people can get behind improving things. Everybody wants to make the best thing they can and be proud of it. Nobody wants to change. And when you sell it like, all right, let's go change this. That's really tough. When you say, here's a vision, you communicate that you empower people and then you continually improve on it people can get behind it and again those are our four our four step process guaranteed to bring about school change vision culture and communication empowerment continuous improvement i want to say thank you for listening to transformative principal this has been fantastic for me i have loved uh Going through this process. And here's my other little secret, just as a bonus for you who's listening all the way to the end. The people that I interview on this podcast, I'm asking them questions about what I can do better as a principal right now because I'm currently doing it. And I think that is so powerful because you're learning right along with me. And depending on how much lead time I have between podcast episodes, that's how close you are to the learning that's happening with me. And every time I interview a principal, I or other leader, I say, what's one thing that a principal can do this week and to be a transformative principal. And that question gets answered. And that I try to take something away from every interview where I'm actually implementing it in my school. So you get to be a part of that too. That's pretty cool. Thank you. I'm so glad you're listening. I appreciate it. I truly do. And, um, I'm grateful for you to be listening. If you haven't yet, I would love for you to go take the survey at transformativeprincipal.org slash survey. And um, at the end of that, there's a link to take the impact survey if you have not done that. As you may know, I have a goal to impact 100 million kids by the year 2027. And in order to keep track of that, I'm, I'm doing the impact survey to help me do that. So I'd love for you to take some time. Go and, and fill out those surveys, slash survey. And thank you so much for listening to Transformative Principle. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute